0: Good morning to you all, it's a pleasure to be with you again this Sunday, um, and to share the Lord's table with you. Uh, If you would, uh, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, our text is the first eight verses. A parable of Jesus, starting in verse 1. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Let's pray. Oh Lord, in these next few moments together, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are quick to receive and to submit to Your Word. Encourage our hearts, Lord, as we think about the issue of prayer, the privilege of prayer. Lord, teach us and change us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed for something over a long period of time and then just quit praying because nothing seemed to happen or nothing seemed to change? Maybe you prayed for a loved one. Maybe you prayed for a certain circumstance or situation. And you just gave up. Perhaps you concluded that God is either not listening at all, or he's just not willing to answer your prayer. I would venture to say most of us in this room have experienced that. If so, this parable is for you. You know, one of the things about parables, they're very interesting how they function. And the scriptures tell us, in many ways, how they function. Parables reveal and conceal the secrets of the kingdom. They enlighten those who belong to the kingdom, about the nature of God's kingdom and his work. But they also have a hardening effect on those who do not belong to the kingdom. And we see this uh, throughout the Gospels. Now, our parable today reveals an important secret about kingdom prayer. As someone put it, observing the function of the the parables, you don't read the parables, the parables read you. There's a lot of truth in that. So as we proceed this morning, I want you to ask yourself, how does this parable read me? How does this parable read my heart? and where it's at in relation to the Lord. So let's jump into this. In verse 1, we get the reason, the very reason, why Jesus uh, gave this parable. It says he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And now he's talking to his disciples here. Back in the middle of chapter 17... You know, the, he was asked by the Pharisees about the kingdom of God and its coming, and he gave them an answer, but then he turned to his disciples and gave them instruction about that. And then we come to this parable. So he's speaking to his disciples primarily, and I just want to pause for a moment and just point out the maybe obvious fact is that this is a clear exhortation from the Lord. In other words, losing heart and not praying is disobedience to God it's not acceptable maybe sometimes we tell ourselves that it is because of our certain circumstances or how long we've had to wait or what we perceive to be happening or not happening and we sort of excuse that that losing heart and prayer is okay but it's not that's why he's telling us this parable Now why would Jesus stress this point with his disciples at this place in Luke's Gospel? As I mentioned, he's, he's speaking about the coming kingdom and his return. And implied in his instruction to his disciples up to this point about the kingdom is that there will be a delay. Yet it will also have a sudden appearing. It's kind of this tension. It's going to have, there's going to be a delay, but it's going to be sudden. Uh, in some sense, waiting is involved. But in another sense, it will appear quickly. So on the heels of this teaching, Jesus tells them this parable. So that they won't lose heart. They will always pray, especially in light of the coming of Christ and the consummation of his kingdom. Now, the word here for lose heart means to lose motivation or to become discouraged. One of the things I think we can glean from this passage and and Jesus making this point is that he assumes that this is going to be a struggle for believers. A struggle for believers in light of living in a fallen world awaiting his return. He knows this is going to be a struggle. That's why he's telling us this. So don't be discouraged that, hey, if if I'm wrestling with this, if this is a struggle for me, then I'm abnormal or there's something wrong with me. Jesus knows we struggle with this. That's why he's teaching us. So be encouraged. You know, Jesus is the one who sympathizes with our weakness. He's able to help you in your time of need. One of the prayers, a uh, person praying alluded to approaching his throne of grace with confidence. That's important for us to remember. He is the one who understands our struggles in prayer, the tensions we feel. So if losing heart is a struggle for all of us, all believers, just like the disciples, we need to hear what Jesus has to say in this parable. Now, there's an important point to make about what's being emphasized in this parable. Now, there's two characters, fairly simple in that respect. There's two characters. We have a corrupt, unjust judge, and we have a widow. Now, if you remember in the Scriptures of that day, who were the most vulnerable and weak? It was the widows, the orphans, and the strangers. Those who long for justice in their context. Just like the widow longing for justice against her adversary. Now, she would probably be labeled as the least likely to receive justice in that day and time the way the system works, the way the world works. This is the person who should least expect justice. Now, the key to understanding this parable is to notice which character is being emphasized. This is crucial. Now, maybe you've heard this parable taught before. Maybe you've done a Bible study where you've discussed this. But oftentimes I find that it's the widow that's emphasized and in particular her persistence in asking the judge for justice i mean isn't that the point of this to to always pray and not lose heart however if you look at this parable it's the judge that's emphasized this is the character who receives the most attention not the widow One trait of the judge which is repeated throughout is he neither feared God nor respected man. So the character of the judge is being highlighted. Now think about that. He doesn't fear God, doesn't respect man, doesn't love God, doesn't love man. He's anti-God's law, right? Because the sum of the law is to love God and to love others. So... It's not looking good in terms of receiving justice in this situation with the widow. He is anti-God's law. In fact, the only thing he says that he fears is that this woman's going to wear him out, beat him down, and annoy him to death with her asking. Perhaps even more significant is what Jesus stresses at the end of the parable. Look in verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Again, he's emphasizing the judge. He wants us to pay attention to the response of the unjust judge. Now, this, getting this emphasis has important implications for our understanding and application of this parable. Sort of an unexpected twist here. But what Jesus is doing is that he sets up a contrast between the unjust judge and God in terms of a lesser to greater argument. In other words, if the unjust judge responds to the widow's petition, how much more will a just God respond to ours? You see, God is not like the unjust judge. This is the key to this parable. He's not like the unjust judge. So here's some implications to consider. Being persistent in prayer is not about annoying God to death or wearing him down in order to get an answer. Sometimes we can think that. It's not about badgering God until we get our way out of his cold fingers, you know, prying them away from him in prayer. In fact, this is the opposite of how God functions. And, and in many ways, this is a pagan notion of seeking favor from a God. And we see this throughout the Old Testament in the ancient Near East and how they approached their idols and their gods to get things from them. There's obviously manipulation and repetition and you think think the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18. You remember that story with Elijah on Mount Carmel? You know, nothing was happening, so they just they kept ramping it up. You know, cutting themselves and chanting and all of this to get something out of their God. In persistent prayer, we don't gain victory over God or twist His arm in order to be just or compassionate to us. Rather, we continually go to the one who has revealed Himself as inherently just and compassionate. We have no reason to fear that our cries for mercy, for justice, will be refused by our Heavenly Father of mercies. This brings up a key principle in prayer. Josh alluded to it earlier. Um, It's amazing how the prayers and the things that were said earlier really set the stage for this passage um, in God's wisdom. But this is a key principle in prayer. Prayer changes us, not God. Step back for a moment. Why would we ever want to change God? Is he not perfect? Is he not wise? Is he not holy? There's no deficiency. There's there's nothing that he needs to be conformed to to become better Prayer changes us, not God. Through prayer, we're aligned with God's purposes and His priorities according to His will. That's what we're told to pray according to, right? Pray according to His will. Where do we find that? In His Word. That's why letting Scripture guide our prayers is so important. In fact, our greatest hope and encouragement come from being aligned to what He wants. That's that's where we find the greatest hope and encouragement. Not trying to change Him as if we could, but us coming in line with Him and enjoying His desires. So being persistent in prayer is about knowing who God is, and how he hears and responds to his people. This is what motivates persistent prayer. This is what motivates us to always pray and not lose heart. The source of our persistence is knowing his character, not some need to change him or his character. It comes out of who he is. D.A. Carson, in his book on Paul's prayers, draws the following conclusion from his study. He says, The more we reflect on the kind of God who is there, the more we shall be encouraged to pray. Prayerlessness is often an index to our ignorance of God. Prayer, our prayerlessness is often an index to our ignorance of God. Another Writer commenting on really two parables combined this one and what's often called the friend at midnight prayer in, in Luke 11. He says, The problem with our prayerlessness is our wrong or small thoughts of God. We often think He is an unfriendly neighbor and worse than an unjust judge. This is our problem, our view of God. What does your losing heart in prayer reveal about your view of God? Now, there's some tension here, and I alluded to it earlier in verse 7. Jesus says, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Now, I think in context, justice here is primarily emphasizing our ultimate vindication at Christ's return, when everything's set right and we're ultimately delivered from this fallen world. However, I think implied in that is that God is able to rescue his people even now as we wait and we live in the midst of a fallen world, or as 2 Peter puts it, a Crooked and twisted generation in which the wicked often prosper and the righteous suffer. We see throughout Scripture that that is a tension that God's people feel. Um, think of Psalm 73. Think of, in some ways, the book of Ecclesiastes, living under the sun, dealing with things that don't seem to mat- measure up or make sense. Yet God is with us. He knows how to rescue His people. He knows, he knows how to be our hiding place. To surround us with songs of deliverance. In this life. I don't think Jesus is just saying to His disciples, you know, one day, you know, when I return, you'll everything will be set right. So in the meantime, you just got to suck it up. You know, you just got to make your way. Now I think he's providing hope for today, even as we wait his return. You know, don't think the cries in Scripture of how long, O Lord, which really come out of this tension. Don't think that those words are, are wasted cries or wasted breath unto God. In fact, we're encouraged to pour out our hearts to him and to cry out for help. You know, we, we recited together the Lord's Prayer. In many ways, if you think about each of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, you can look at it from the perspective of justice. We're praying for justice when we pray for God's kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or for God's name to be treated as holy. Hallowed be your name. That That's the just right thing. So in many ways, as we recite the Lord's Prayer as a summary of all prayer, uh, it's a prayer for justice. So you see the tension. On one hand, we cry out to Him day and night. Yet on the other hand, God will not delay. But brings justice speedily. Now, just some thoughts regarding that. Delay and swift vindication for God's people especially regarding his return, are often held together in biblical tension in various passages. I won't spend time going through those this morning, but just know that that's a common thing, this tension, even in the same passage. And we know on one level, if we could peer into God's divine design and hidden counsels, we would see that justice for his people is always accomplished, just at the right time. Hence, nothing is delayed, but always comes just at the right time. And we also know from Scripture that God is always active among his people, doing good to us, even during the delay. You know, we read about him... Giving us wisdom, conforming our character, even through trials, giving us perspective in the midst of suffering. I mean, how many times have you gone through something difficult, but you came out by God's grace on the other end with a better perspective? Oftentimes we say, oh yes, we trust you, Lord. Uh, And then something difficult happens and we realize, you know what? I don't trust him at all, hardly at all. But he's teaching me. He's growing me. So these are good things that God is doing to us along the way. And not to mention, you know, when we gain that kind of perspective, when we grow, we're able to minister better to others who are going through the same things. That's often God's way with us. But, you know, if you think about the issue of timing, and that's always an issue for us, right? It always seems to be a problem. Uh, we shouldn't desire any other timing than what God has in mind. And that's the problem for us. We assume we know the right timing, when he should act, how he should act. And when he doesn't do it, we conclude, you know, this is an unnecessary delay in my life. I don't need this, you know. I got enough problems, I don't need this. Or that the delay is somehow without purpose at all. There's no reason for this that I should have to go through this. Therefore, we really don't believe the the uh, beginning of verse eight. Jesus seems to be pretty clear there. Even if we have trouble perceiving it, do we believe it? Do we believe this is true? Again, in this context, the return of Christ and the final vindication and justice are in view, but um, this is no cause for prayerlessness in the meantime. I think this is part of the point of the parable as well. There's no excuse to be prayerless. All the more we should pray because of who God is. Now, at the very end here, the last part of verse 8, there's a sting call it the sting in the tail nevertheless when the son of man comes will he find faith on earth what does that mean how does that connect what he's been saying you know jesus has just given us great encouragement that that god is not like the unjust judge so we can be encouraged by that but he also leaves us with this sting of self-examination. Will God give justice to his elect at the proper time? Yes. That's a certain truth that you can cling to. But will he but will we be faithful to pray and not lose heart in the meantime? That's to be determined. Maybe not so much. What faith is Jesus talking about? Literally, the text reads, the faith. The article's in there. The faith. And when taken together in context, it means this kind of faith that I'm talking about in this parable. A persevering faith. A faith that's evidenced by faithfulness in prayer, not giving up or losing heart. A faith that believes that God's not unjust, that He's not unwilling to give justice, but that He's a just God. And this includes a proper sense of waiting for the Lord's return. You know, in in Luke's gospel, there's a couple places where Jesus talks about this and His exhortation. It's not. For speculation purposes only, when am I going to return? You know, get your timelines and your charts out. He's, he's bringing this up to say, hey, be ready, stay awake. This is it's very practical when he talks about his return. In chapter 21, he says, watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, that that day will come on you like a trap but stay awake at all times, praying, he says. And other texts tell us, exhort us to pray at all times in the spirit. In the face of spiritual battle, praying at all times. Other passages talk about being patient, just like a farmer waits for uh, the harvest. Be patient, establish your hearts, stand firm in your faith while you're waiting. While there's delay. And I would argue to say that all of these things that we're exhorted to, staying awake spiritually, you know, not being ensnared with the sins of the world, being patient, standing firm, hoping, all of these things are probably not going to be there if you're not praying. It's hard to stay awake spiritually. It's hard to hope in this fallen world of injustice if you're not praying or talking to God. Continually, not losing heart. So what is this secret of kingdom prayer? We always pray and not lose heart because God is a just judge. Not an unjust one. You see the difference If he's unjust, it's up to us to try to manipulate him and to wear him down with our prayers. Sometimes that's how this parable's been taught. Misses the point. But if he is the just judge, and he is, we are motivated to always pray and not lose heart because he's ready and willing to give justice to his people. So back to that question at the beginning How does this parable read you this morning? Who do you believe God to be? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this reminder of who you are and your character. Thank you that you are a just God who knows how to give good gifts to his children. In fact you invite us you tell us you exhort us to ask to continue to ask not to wear you down but to, because you want to give that's the kind of god you are help us to view you that way and that you would help us to always pray and not lose heart I pray this in christ's name amen